Welcome to GovCast, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm your host, Amy Kluber. We know 5G and we know Wi-Fi, or do we? Connectivity overall is rampant in today's world. We expect it, it's everywhere, and especially after the pandemic, it's become so critical to how we work, virtually or not. With 5G being the latest iteration of mobile wireless connectivity, the topic is everywhere, especially as government ramps up its infrastructure to accommodate it and unlock all its benefits. And then there's Wi-Fi, which actually has a critical component to what is the convergence opportunity for the two technologies. So what are we talking about here? You'll hear from two individuals in this convergence space, as we call it, who are really going to dig into the differences between the technologies, but also the critical need for organizations to consider how they interplay with each other. As they will explain, this convergence here between Wi-Fi and 5G can't be ignored. And for a government agency, there's a challenge around integrating that into an enterprise environment with the mission top of mind. But these guys have it figured out and it involves a process that keeps security, automation, working across silos, and more to the forefront. This episode is sponsored by Dell Technologies and ID Technologies. Welcome to the show, Jim and CT. Please give us a brief intro of who you are, what do you do? We'll start with you, CT. Thanks for having us. Uh, so Chris Thomas, go by CT. So I'm a technology strategist out of Dell's global CTO's office focused on emerging technologies to include 5G and zero trust. Awesome. And Jim, who are you? That's a very big question. I can't fill CT's shoes. I'm Jim Russo. I'm with ID Technologies. I am the wireless practice lead for ID and concentrate on um, edge connectivity and uh, to include switching as well as wireless and wireless being Wi-Fi and 5G. 5G and connectivity overall is such a big topic right now in government. Can you paint that landscape for us? What does that look like right now? What are some of the, the big hot topic issues there? Well, obviously, 5G is really the, the largest hot topic. Um, it's been advertised well and you can't go through and, and watch a football game without seeing 5G splashed up in front of you. Um, 5G really isn't um, not so much an emerging technology as much as it is the next technology. Over the course of this lifetime with cellular, we've had 2G and 3G and 4G. And along the way, industry's gone through and applied uh, more and more technology to this the cellular delivery, allowing for us to not only do voice but then data. 5G is really the next part in that. Um, and then you have Wi-Fi, which has also been known since the 90s, uh, really become a consumable then and in some ways has become a commodity. You can go to any Staples or Best Buy and you can pick up a, a Wi-Fi device, throw it in your house and make it work. As we go through and we look at how these technologies have grown and how they're actually merging closer together, there then becomes the question as to, is it one way or another? So I'll add in on that. So one of the biggest pieces that we're starting to see, 5G is is this conversion from a technology standpoint. We're seeing the telecom industry have to make the shift to what we've done in the data centers for the last decade or so on the P2V migration, right, physical to virtualization. And so with that, you start to see this distributed architecture come to fruition and having to look at and take a, an approach that's more data centric. 
more data-centric in case for orchestration and policy, um, focusing even looking at your security policy, how that constructs it. Now with 5G, you also end up with this emergence for looking at the enterprise use case. And we'll start to see, as Jim mentioned, right, this convergence between Wi-Fi and LTE or 3GP-based communications, um, the private mobility solution. And now how do I incorporate this new technology and apply it to the enterprise construct. Hmm. So that's a pretty big topic there. But what does it really mean, especially when we're talking about the federal government landscape and the tech that they're kind of innovating around with 5G and Wi-Fi? What, is, what does that mean? If I had to summarize it, I'd say ubiquitous connectivity, right? Nobody looks at their phone or their device and wonders truly, where am I getting the connection from? You really don't care. You just want it to work. You just want the outcome. And it doesn't matter which provider, if it's coming from Wi-Fi, if it's coming from LTE, if it's coming from satellite, you just need it to work. And that's even more important when you start looking at our government and government agencies' use cases because you are dealing with the livelihood of personnel, equipment, et cetera. Um, and I think being able to bring that connectivity on demand and ensure that it will work enables you to be able to guarantee your ability to fight and business and mission continuity. And not only does it have to work, but it has to go through and work for within the use case that the user has. If I'm, if, if I'm a maintainer out on a flight line and I have a tablet and I need to go through and look up something or I need to communicate with somebody or logistically maybe order something from a warehouse, I have to be able to work within the constructs of that base area network. And if I'm if I'm a commander and I'm going and I'm on base and then I'm going off base, can maintaining that ubiquitous connection to whatever resource I need. It may be a local resource. It may be a global resource. And maintaining that connectivity all the way through. And that's where, you know, um, CT and I have talked a lot about going through and seeing how these technologies are kind of merging and, and it becomes um, an and conversation. There's use cases out there where you're going to find that the 5G connectivity is the use case that you really want. And then there's other use cases where you're going to find out, no, Wi-Fi is really what you want. And it really depends on what it is that you're trying to do. So from an ID technologies perspective, that's one of the things we're trying to really bring to our customers is look at what you're trying to do. What is your absolute end goal? Don't look at the marketing around everything. Don't look at the buzzwords. Let's find out what you're trying to do. And in that, we're collectively, especially with, with our partnership with Dell, we're going to be able to go through and bring to you an architecture that meets your use case. And it's going to be a combination of Wi-Fi, hard switching and routing through copper and glass, as well as 5G. So what would you say is the biggest challenge when we're talking about, you mentioned this convergence of the two pieces here. What would be the challenge? Is it really communicating that there is a convergence and it's not one or the other? Is that the biggest thing? So I would say it's probably going to go to the level of understanding, right? Market understanding is very seldom that you find resources that understand virtualization, that understand 3GPP, so LTE, 5G communications, and understand Wi-Fi, and understand security, and automation. That is a very 
very small percentage of the existing workforce today that can do both. Everything has typically been siloed from a technology standpoint, but we're now seeing with this convergence, it's a very blurred line. And so that's not just the government or any of our you know, agencies, that's also within industry, right? Finding people that have a multitude of these different skill sets is a challenge in understanding how they work together, how they're complementary, that they're not a, a this or that, it's an and scenario. And you really have to look at the use case because the technologies were designed to do specific things and do them well. And normally you do have them working together, right? Any of your MNOs have trusted Wi-Fi networks that they use and leverage. They don't solve it all with macro cell solutions. You know, and part of the part of the convergence of these technologies from an operational standpoint is looking at how we go through and manage um, all these devices getting connected and manage their connectivity from a a private LTE. Wi-Fi WLAN network out to a PSTN or a public switch telephone network, which is your AT&Ts, your T-Mobiles, et cetera, and maintaining not only the connectivity but the security of that connectivity and then just being able to manage those devices, being able to understand what's on our network. So uh, that convergence in the management plane, that, that, is, a, that is a challenge. Um, we do know that there is industry working on just that challenge. There is industry going out and working on that today. Um, we're actually involved in a couple of small projects doing it on a much smaller level, trying to go through and bring a more ubiquitous management to connectivity um, and being able to go across multiple vendors while maintaining management. That is, that is a project that's currently being worked on. So it, it is one of the challenges. And the industry is working on it. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, part of that's been defined within 3GPP release 17 and release 18, right? So the convergence will formally be outlined there. But kind of as we mentioned earlier, right, it's really about the use case and providing ubiquitous connectivity. The technology or the protocol stack used to accomplish that goal, the end user does not really care. They just care about the end result. So that piece will be the biggest part. And so this notion of or has already kind of been debunked because there's already a standard for that convergence set. So I I think that will make things a little easier. Any other challenges you would like to add? So one of the challenges that we're seeing, um, and I mean, COVID made that a reality, as we look at our supply chain, the primary telecommunications equipment today comes from abroad. Um, obviously, the government has taken steps to remove uh, the Huawei equipment, uh, obviously, because we don't want that associated with any of our critical infrastructure, but that it really paints a picture and shows us that we have a dependency and there's no U.S. manufacturers today for any of our telecommunication equipment at large um, that are deployed by our MNOs. So as we look at this, you know, opportunity for these private networks to maybe build within government facilities, within, you know, on our military installations, I would say that would be a place to where we would definitely want to make sure we can validate a supply chain no different than we have for everything else that we do within our procurement processes. And that should be a mandate, in my honest opinion. Um, 
and you look at the adoption of ORAN for the interoperability, right? We do similar testing with the JIDIC today for any of our commercial or enterprise IT. That's what ORAN would provide us within the telecom space. Open radio access network. So this shows, and as a part of the extraction portion, or decoupling rather, uh, within our traditional baseband units, you now, through the virtualization and that P2V migration, you have interoperability interfaces defined with each one of the telecom vendors. Um, this should allow you to take a component from vendor A and a component from vendor B and know that these two components can work together regardless of when you sourced them or when you uh, did the integration work as long as they adhere to the standard. So that will obviously over time reduce cost as well. So that is the goal. As it stands, right, telecom, we've been on 10-year iterations. That's largely because if I buy components, I've had to buy them all from one place to know that they'll all work. And that's how operations in the U.S. for telecom has worked as well. If you have a region, and you can just think of the regions within the U.S., that region may be entirely from vendor A, and then another region may be from vendor B. And I won't deploy anything other than those two, you know, vendors within that region because I don't know it hadn't been tested together. We want to get away from that because that will obviously drive the cost of operations down over time. So that's where I'm seeing an opportunity within our private network buildouts on military installations to be able to adopt that and guarantee our supply chain. Okay, interesting. And I guess I never thought about the supply chain component there. Uh, it's It's been a very large issue, even in the Wi-Fi space right now, Wi-Fi and switching space. Uh, you'll see extraordinary lead times. Um, for some vendors, it, it goes to the better part of a year um, and going through and trying to get a certain product. Um, as ID Technologies, we've had to go through and re-engineer some of our, our our potential deployments based upon nothing but supply chain, trying to go through and get the same or like functionality, but within what is available. I personally would love to see much more manufacturing in the United States. Uh, it becomes difficult as we look at our own uh, EPA regulations and oversight um, and other government oversights as compared to other nation states that don't have that same regulation. There's a cost of regulation. Um, the benefit is obvious. Right? We, you know, emotionally and politically, we recognize those benefits. Um, and then there's the cost to it that sometimes doesn't get recognized. And there, there is a cost. So hopefully there's a balance in there that the United States goes through and starts to figure out so we could have more U.S. manufacturing brought back. And that will lessen the supply chain issues that we have and ultimately, hopefully, drive down the overall costs um, associated. And that is certainly something within the supply chain issue that comes to my mind. So I'm understanding that government is kind of doing a lot in this space. What are some of the things that it has instituted that is kind of setting the stage for really advancing, bringing in this technology and doing it right? I don't know that there's really anything instituted as much as there's been um, a lot of investment, $2.6 billion um, in one investment. I think there's been others uh, where industry has been gone through and pulled into different activities to 
look at different use cases from augmented reality, virtual reality, to um, remote telemedicine, uh, to going through and using remote training capabilities for, say, pilot exercises. The U.S. government has gone through and, and through taxpayer dollars allowed us to really truly research and develop some of the some of these things that are emerging. Um, but I don't know that there's been any kind of institutionalized thing. There's been nothing instituted, but there's a lot of activity. And again, a lot of marketing. Uh, that from your major carriers, your MNOs, who want to see this technology proceed, um, as well as, as being digested inside of industry, you know, going through and looking the possible use cases and where it can be used. And as we go through and we, we continue to develop this research and development area, as we continue to work, Within these areas, we're finding more use cases and we're refining the technology, how it is that we can actually use it. Again, 5G is really, it's, it's simply the next generation of cellular delivery. But it is such an advancement because it's gone through and taken what was uh, generally proprietarized infrastructures and it's broken it up so that industry can play at different levels and in different pieces of it. And it's allowed for... Um, in some cases, the miniaturization of private LTE. So you go from a macro level down to a micro level, and it's allowing for better use case scenarios. And I think we're – would you agree with that? No, most definitely. I mean, you look at what the Undersecretary of Defense and the program they've put with the 5G tranches, going through and validating the, the use cases, developing a CONOP to actually understand, does it work? Does it work for this use? We've seen the advertisement, but we want to put pen to paper and actually quantify this technology and how it's used. And what we're starting to see is they're forcing the activities through the use cases, through this research of how does it work with SATCOM? How does it work within the actual mission? Can we take this and deploy it? Can it just work for, you know, domestic use cases here um, and aid in increasing our efficiency? And so through that, I think that's where the DOD and the government has really taken a, a leadership stance in kind of pushing that innovation envelope, which is refreshing. Are you seeing a difference between, like, defense versus civilian at all? Most of the investment that I've seen so far has been heavily, at least for the research projects, um, mostly DOD in the near term. Um Worked with a lot of civilian agencies, and they're doing some projects to explore as to what's possible. But they're very, I guess I'd say, very focused, right? Smaller maybe in scale and magnitude. But, yeah, I think that's just more so based on budget and resources and based on time. So talk to me about the stigma behind Wi-Fi or behind 5G because... I don't know. To me, Wi-Fi seems kind of, doesn't everybody have that now? <laughs> it's kind of everywhere. Right. And, and it is. It's become a commodity. And it's that commodity that you can literally go through and buy off the shelf. Um, when we start looking at enterprise delivery, whether it be within the DOD or other federal civilian agencies, um, you start getting into a, a different use case. It's no longer, you're not at home. You're not sitting in your your person cave. Um you're, you're going through and you're having to do real work. And in those scenarios, you really need to go through and have better engineering more than anything. 
you need to understand how it is that Wi-Fi or really how RF works, radio frequencies. You have to understand how the technology functions, um, and you have to understand the physics behind it. And once you go through and recognize that it's an, it really is an engineering exercise, you can go through and deploy how you need to. Um, Wi-Fi, because it has been such a commodity, there's been a lot of um, going through and just putting the access point up on the wall and calling it good. And through that, you don't get the best experience. You don't get the best deployment because it hasn't really been looked at to be engineered properly. Um, so that's one thing to try to answer one of your questions. Why does it have that stigma? It's been oversaturated. It's been such a great commodity that the consumership has gone through and utilized it as they should, right? But then you go through and you couple in a, a kind of a lack of engineering and or understanding and you oversaturate what is taking place. And so it becomes um, less efficient and you end up with a little bit of, of less of a use case. Now, in the, in the coming months, that being the next year or two, we're going to see some really cool advances, both in, in how we work with 5G networks and Wi-Fi in and of itself. Wi-Fi 7 is coming out. Wi-Fi 6E is out. This opens up a different frequency range than what we've had in traditional Wi-Fi. Traditionally, we've been using in 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz frequency ranges. And we've, we've, we've saturated them. They're full. Now we're going to open up another, what is it, 1,200 megahertz of space where we'll be able to expand into this other area. And in that expansion, we're going to be able to relieve what we currently have saturated in 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. And that's going to allow for a much wider space and um, much better conversations taking place between device and network. So it's, it's going to get a lot better in the coming months and years. Is that the same for things like future G's, the next 6G coming oh, in the future, know. 7G? <laughs> I mean, eventually I hope that we get away from even labeling them as, you know, 5G, 4G, 6G. Um, that, and I don't want to go through the history of it, but hopefully there's a convergence here uh, globally as to how we move forward. I, I think part of it, uh, as Jim pointed out, right, is the education aspect of people understanding at large how RF communication or wireless communications work. It does matter. It is a skill set. You do have to take your time and actually think through the process. It's not the same as deploying it for your, you know, Netflix watching um, to stream video. But it's important. <laughs> it is. It is. And I mean, we want that same capability, you know, for our end users, right? For our customers, our warfighters. Um, and we but should be. Netflix are going to be watching augmented reality and they're like playing around with their engines. <laughs> well, and, and there's, <laughs> right, there's a multitude of, right, training. You have healthcare. You have, you know, a lot of different things that you could do if you have reliable communications to be able to break that out. I mean, you look at the logistics at times it takes to stand up a temporary operating post. Right. That's normally three to four day activity because I have to get the communications. I have to send a lot of equipment, run the cables, et cetera. I should be able to stand up a wireless communication center within a matter of hours and have everyone connect through that. Can it be done today? Yes. And then there's the aspect of security. 
right? Understanding how to secure it because it's not something that I physically touch. And so that aspect of how we view cybersecurity sometimes makes it a little more complex or is viewed as less secure and doesn't have to be. Do you have to look at and approach it slightly different? Yes. But all of the other policies and rules in place that we do with our traditional, you know, enterprise networks can be extended over your wireless communication network as well. Fantastic. So we talked a lot about the convergence opportunity already, but as far as from an industry perspective, you know, your ID tech, your Dell, how does this partnership enable kind of innovation in the space? I don't know that we're enabling innovation as much as we're going through an enabling use case. Would you agree with that? I think it's bringing things to fruition. Right now, there's a lot of PowerPoint engineering, a lot of white papers, but rubber has to meet the road, so to say, where people can actually see it, make it tangible, consumable, and industrialize it. Right Today, everyone has thought, oh, if I want to talk about getting a mobility solution, I have to go talk to the M&O, and that's the only way that I can make this a reality. And that's not the case. That's no longer true. You can now deploy your own enterprise private network and have the same benefits without having to go and necessarily discuss directly with an M&O, depending on what you want it to do. And we both have relationships with the MNOs to where you can even have that all work in conjunction as one large system of systems, if that's the end state that you need. So I think that's what we've been focused on, giving the end users something tangible that they can come see, that they can come witness, that we can set up as a proof of concept uh, and phase it in. I think that actually goes back to another point you you asked earlier, um, you know, some of the challenges with between 5G and Wi-Fi. And one of the things that CT and I have, have struggled in for our customers is having some sort of ubiquitous management across the two deliverables, right? Because it is, it is wireless delivery, but in two different manners, you know, each with the pros and cons and with, with their use cases. One of the things that we are working, uh, working towards collectively together is being able to go through and manage a singular network being able to understand the um, the users that are going to be on the network, being able to seamlessly ensure security between the different connections across the network, being able to make sure that we can get a device that you know connects at point A, maintains connection to point Z, wherever that may be, and maintains security through it, and then monitor it and being able to respond to any kind of failure question or event in the process of it. Um, if there were to be some things that we're working on, it would be that. We're, you know, we're doing that together, trying to figure out how to go through and have, um, I wouldn't say single pane of glass management necessarily, but certainly, you know, um, a more ubiquitous vision into the network and how it operates, making sure that the security policies are in place. Um, and that's something we're working on there. So thinking through, I guess, what would be your message that you want government to know? What would be the main takeaway that you would want someone listening to this podcast to leave with? For myself personally, from a um, standpoint of leadership within wireless and um, ID technologies, really look at your use cases. There's, there's a lot of good reason why we've had a lot of hype around 5G. 
uh, especially when we're looking at foreign actors and foreign competition. And, you know, to that end, uh, really welcome that hype because it is progressing the industry and it's progressing the technology. As CT said earlier, where the rubber meets the road, where we really get to, to true application, let's not take a look at just what the marketing says, but to really look at the use cases. What are we really trying to do? And let's really focus on that. The rest of the technology will come into play, especially if you're working with folks like Dell and ID. That will come into play. And it's going to be a convergence of these two technologies when we're talking RF communications. But the one thing I would really like to stress is look at the actual use case. Let industry help you get to the solution for that use case. That's that's where I would probably want to be. So I guess the biggest piece that I'd want to look at is that, that operalization, right? How do you... How do you take the technology and make it something that you can institute within your operational deployments? Um, if we look at how we consume cloud today, right, we've looked at our security posture and we've looked at the data and we came up with FedRAMP. Well, now we're virtualizing the telecommunication space. Does that mean that the MNOs now have to also adhere to a FedRAMP type of cloud and build out a community cloud because your data is still traversing through that? And how do you handle that data path diversity? And so that's the piece where this convergence becomes really interesting because as you look at your data governance, now it forces you to look, and even now going through Senate, right, we have a House bill the ask is for a plan to institute and deploy 5G networks on every military installation. In order to do that, there's a lot of pre-planning that has to happen. A lot of things that we have to look at as that concept of operation because it's going to be different depending on what country we're operating in. And I know people are looking at it, but right now I think that that probably needs to be focused on a little more the business aspect of it, not just the academic portion to the research, because the biggest paradigm shift will happen contractually and on the business side of this. That comes with pretty different security concerns too, right? I mean, it's, it differs everywhere. Correct. Like you have GDPR, the user. you have California has different, regulatory compliance issues that you have to, and so no different than cloud, right? You have to adhere to what that user, that device, how do you orchestrate that policy and keep it intact? So you can get data fast is the intention, but you can also get it out fast unintentionally. Oh, especially in a connected, globally connected society. You know, it's, it's, it's some of the pitfalls to some of the things that we, we benefit from and, and that we've grown used to. The age of the Internet has done that. So we have to respond to the pitfalls. Yep, that would be the focus. I think the business aspect, the actual developing of the CONOP, the policies and the procedures, how do you address this moving forward 
and you're going to have a convergence between your Wi-Fi and this private LTE network with the rest of the other emerging technologies. How do you take that broad approach and look at it? CT, and I'm going to riff here for a second. I mean, what we're really talking about when, when you bring that aspect into play is the fact that we have rented frequencies out there to these MNOs from, you know, as far as the continental United States, right? We've rented frequencies out to, to Dish and Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, AT&T. And so part of this convergence is we, we go from, let's say, a base area network or a base area campus where we control all those frequencies and we, we utilize the technology strictly within the boundaries of that campus. But when we look at bringing some of those 5G technologies in, now we're bringing in that, that quasi-public frequency range, that frequency space. And that's where I believe you're, where you are headed, where do we hold them to the same stringent policies and security, right? Because they haven't had to, to date, they own, say, 2.1 gigahertz. They own that. They lease it from the FCC. They lease it from us. And you try to go through and bring that onto a base area network. They haven't had to go through and deal with those same security policies to date. Do we hold them to it? Previously, that's the been outside of security boundary. Right? Yes. Previously. And then there's the business cadence as well. And now it has to move in, right? It's no longer outside of your security boundary, which means you have to write policy to account for it because now your mobile devices can be connected to the private network or the public network or both at the same time. How do you want to set that precedence? When is it allowed? When is it not allowed? Et cetera. And to the point, right, where we said we operate globally as a nation. There's other key considerations that have to be taken into account as you start to look at that. So I think that would be the part that I would say you have to focus on and maybe look a second time at. And that's really some of the business aspect as well as the technological security aspect that has to be that has to be considered. I mean, and ultimately, it's, really, it's interesting. We both said the same thing. It's really about the use case. You came in from the business organization contractual security side of it. I came from the actual physical use case side of it. We end up at the same spot. It is about, you know, where is the use case, and then how do you go through and draw up both the technical and business boundaries around it? Okay. So where do we go from here? What next steps is there anything exciting that you're looking forward to on the horizon? So I would say we're involved with a number of the different tranche activities. So looking to see those move into the next phase, pending everything goes as planned and successful. We're so far so good on a large amount and other things we're learning, right, kind of as we go uh, and learning what we maybe don't like. So more to come as we look at next G and beyond. I think hopefully the government can still, at large, continue to invest, continue to research, and, and kind of quantify their position and on what they want to do long term, and how to make it something tangible. I'm very much looking forward to um, the industry continuing to grow and, and to continue to evangelize the message of an and solution uh, to include 5G and Wi-Fi. I'm very excited about the 6 gigahertz range, whether you want to 
dub it as uh, Wi-Fi 6E or Wi-Fi 7. There's a lot of things that are going to take place there. Um, I'm very excited to go through and see that mature and be able to use that technology uh, to the benefit of the warfighter. I'm very excited for that. Um, and then finally, our partnership with Dell has been fantastic. And um, really looking forward to, to continuing that conversation. Thank you so much for talking with me about this area. It's a very interesting one I haven't heard yet, uh, this convergence between the two connectivity pieces here. But thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you very much. No Appreciate the time. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com. 